Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John gets mistaken for a convict and plagiarizes the serenity prayer. Meanwhile, I eat a gigantic potato and love tattoo culture, but don't want a tattoo. Plus a conversation about the dangers of assembly line spirituality and how to trust God even when we don't get the outcome we hoped for. Today's episode is not sponsored by your 40s. Congratulations, your knees hurt now. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. On a blustery, near spring day, it's Talk About That as John and Johnny. Uh, where we are, Johnny, uh, the weather outside is frightful. We're battening down the hatches. Yeah. What does it mean to batten down? I think that means you're on a boat. Yeah, but what are you, what's battening? I'm sure it's like sealing it, maybe closing it. There's no way. Really tight? No, there's no way. We want you to batten down, listener, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, it's get it. Here's the thing about Middle Tennessee that I was not ready for when I moved here. We get a lot of tornado warnings. Yeah, we do now. It wasn't that way when I was a kid. Oh, really? No. Do you think you just blocked it out, or do you really think it's? That worse. No, I think that there's like data that tornado, oh. tornado Alley, which used to be kind of Oklahoma. Oh, it shifted. Has shifted this way a little. The bit. alley moved. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta Sometimes. move your alley. <laughs> it's true. I don't know, man. It's uh, that just like our lives. I remember that a big tornado hit Austin P University in Clarksville. Yes. When Laura and I were like had first started dating, mm-hmm. we had a show there that was canceled. Yeah. Because they said the roof of the building that you were going to perform in is in the next county or something like that. Yeah. Which normally. I was like, all right, we'll cancel. Whenever we play, we used to rip the roof off, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This time. It was literal. And we Mother had, Nature did it. We had nothing to do with it. So. Are you one of those people that gets offended spiritually when somebody says Mother Nature? When they refer to like a weather event. I don't ever use that expression. I think I say Mother Nature sometimes because I don't want to like just blame God when something horrible weather happens so you just blame a mythical because you can't say like well god blew the roof off that like because I, I don't know how weather i don't know how weather works in the spirit realm we're getting heavy already we're i getting know deep. i know that scripturally that that there is another who is called the prince of the power of the air okay so i don't sometimes it's like i think i think that the great one of the greatest mysteries of theology johnny is the all-powerful granting that power unto us for a season and then whom we've granted it to 
while he still redeems all things, there's still a lot of things that he has chosen not to be in charge of out of respect for our choices. And I think a lot of the brokenness of the world, including the brokenness of nature, is a result of that. And it's very unpredictable. And I do think God intervenes a lot. And I think that when we're mad at him when he doesn't intervene. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing to know. But that's just in a nutshell, Johnny. In a nutshell. Yeah, super light. But it's okay with you if I say Mother Nature then. I think it's a common expression that, uh, I mean, that heretics. So. I could Is that not. what you want to, <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen. It's very common for someone who is say spiritually bankrupt right. to say someone whose conscience <laughs> has been seared with a hot iron. Sure. Go yeah. for it. But gosh, that's what I would expect. So I don't know. Yeah. But yes, it's blustery. And I was not prepared for that. When I moved to Middle Tennessee, I was not ready for all the random sirens. I will say this. How does your dog handle the storms? Um, How does Ace do? He usually gets on his app and kind of just checks and sees the warnings. Right. So. He gets the notifications. He doesn't seem that. He's not like Brutus. He's not He's aloof. freaked out all the time. Usually if you have two dogs, one is an aloof and one is. It's like a marriage. Yeah. You have one aloof partner and one that freaks out about everything and which, you balance each way, other out. Which are you? Uh, uh-huh. I think I'm the worrier. You're the one that freaks out. Yeah. So you're calling your wife aloof. Well... She's more aloof than me. She's aloof compared to me. Yeah. She would say that she's normal and I'm freaking out. And I would say that I'm the right level of worry. Right. Just and right she's way. aloof. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talked about this because you went to the hearing doctor. And I feel like in every marriage, there's a partner who mumbles and also thinks that their partner has hearing problems. Correct. I told her the other day, I was like, whenever you don't hear me, it's because I mumbled. Mm-hmm. Whenever I don't hear you, it's because I have hearing problems. You just don't listen. Right? It's yeah. like, can't, it can't both be true, surely, all the time. I, not only do I mumble, I also have hearing problems? No. You thread the needle of being wrong in both instances. Correct. Like, yeah. How did you do it? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm a worrier. Like, we've talked about that before, that I'm kind of the, uh, I'm the woman in our relationship as far as, like, emotionally. I I I'm, I'm the one who would have the conversation of like I feel like we're not connecting, and she'd be like, "Oh my god, I can feel her losing patience." You know, <laughs> I think we need to talk about this, and she'd be like, "Oh no, we don't need to talk about. Let's it. just go to dinner. Yeah. What are we doing?" Well, again, I'd like to just once again state I'm offended by your gross stereotypes. Uh, no, I'm saying I, I'm saying we break the life. we break the stereotypes. But I'm being vulnerable here and saying that uh, I'm a total beta. Well, it could just be yeah, yeah. maybe maybe. Uh, Maybe it's a spectrum. Maybe it's not based upon... Maybe it's not cut and dry like we think right. it is, John. I think we've stereotyped women and men. Because, yes. you know, I'm a sensitive guy. I don't care what type of stereo you have, as long as we share beliefs. Right. And I you're just... not different than me at all. <laughs> 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 that joke won't work soon because people don't have stereos. Uh, right. They're like, what is that? What is a stereo? Hey, it's like one of the few jokes I've ever written about mono. It just doesn't... It doesn't it's a, one of those things you say where it hits a very small audience of people... If two people get mono, they her mono was so bad she had stereo. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I got mono. Have you ever had mono? Oh yeah, I, said, I got mono twice. I think I had stereo. When did you get? <laughs> when did you get mono? High school, junior year. So I had, in college. I had mono in sixth grade, mm. and you know it's called the kissing disease, right? And you're like, I haven't. Right, I hadn't kissed a girl yet, and so it was like more embarrassing to have it and be teased. Well, you should have played into it. Like I should have leaned into dang it. Dang straight, I have the kissing disease. I wasn't. I you wasn't, could be next or whatever. It's you won't have any idea how swollen my spleen is. Isn't that part of mono? Is like your <laughs> spleen's very tender. Like I think I read somewhere because this is before you could even like just Google your symptoms and freak out about it. This is pre WebMD, way pre. But somehow I found out that like 
part of what mono is, your spleen is so inflamed that if you took like a shot to the solar plexus, you could die. Like yeah. your spleen could just explode. That's so it's like a, you have to be careful with your spleen during that mono time. I'm generally careful with my spleen. I think I missed like three weeks of school. I missed a couple. Yeah, I had my junior prom with mono. You're saying you baby your spleen a little bit? Uh it's my favorite organ. Is um, it? Do you even know what a spleen does? No. But Do we need a spleen? Isn't it like a filter of? Can some you sort? get a? I think that's you're thinking of kidneys. <laughs> See, if you have a. What no, is no, I don't need my. No, I know. I know what my kidneys do. I'm looking it up. No, I don't want to. I don't want. You don't want to know. I think. A, I think a spleen is like. I think it's. It, I feel it's like a a place where immunity and stuff like that is affected. Oh, my wife is dying right now. Siri, what does a spleen do? <laughs> your spleen is involved in your body's immune response hey, hey. and in recycling old blood cells. I just said that, except the blood cell part. You said it was a filter. I said, yeah, it's immunity. It's an, I literally said the word immunity. Now I have immunity <laughs> from this conversation. From my criticism. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't. Well, so yeah, so a lot of people think they don't I need their spleen. If you're, in, if you're against recycling, you're like, I don't need this thing recycling for me. You should me. see my pictures of my junior prom. I went anyway. My throat was all swollen. Oh, I'm like, no. I am like pale. You got it definitely from kissing, right? You were making out Johnny, with... Johnny, let's, let's... You were not, a little bit of a himbo. We're not going to lean into those things. You, you were know a player, saying? man. No, I wasn't a player. I mean, I had a few. You had the little swoopy hairdo. Swoop. You had the swoop at the I end. Had, I did have hair. Yeah. Which imagine. Just imagine. <sighs> so powerful, man. <laughs> what happened to you? Yes, it's... it's Your spleen stopped working. That, maybe That's probably what's going on. I bet I need like a spleen supplement. A spleenectomy. A That's a real thing. Spleptomint. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard to say. Um, but yeah, that's probably what happened. Uh your old blood cells weren't getting recycled properly because you rushed back. You didn't take the necessary time off. You rushed back to have this important date in your life. And now your spleen's like, you know what? I'm not making any more hair. Because <laughs> I think that's what I think that's what spleens do now. I've decided. That's great. Yeah. My spleen's like, you know what? You don't take care of me. I'm not taking care of you. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if your body parts really could like speak to you in that well, way. Well, there is something like my hair's turning gray and I wonder like how that works. Like you get to a certain age, your body's like, you know what? No more color. Yeah. Like, like you just stopped sending color. Like you wasted this all these years. Evidently. I want everybody to know how old you are. That's great. We should, we could do something with that. You could, this is a, this is a bit. Now you go make it more funny and, and, and write a few tags to it. I'll so. work on it. We got, um, we got a package uh, this week from a loyal listener. Oh, wow. Uh, Larry Marshall, our friend at... Uh, um, Larry's Lamps.com. Well, he's not Larry's Lamps. Hold on. It's, uh, it's Foothills Collectibles. Oh, it's way better than Larry's Lamps. Sorry, Larry. Uh, if you go to Etsy and look up Foot, Foothills Collectibles, I believe is what it is. Um, he does make the coolest things, man. So I mean, he, sent, uh, he sent us this letter. And I read. Well, people this is like letters. Casey. It's like Casey Kasem. Yeah. And he writes. There's a letter, gents. Just a little something to say. Thanks for the podcast. I have a weird mix of podcast interests, but always enjoy you guys and learn a little something along the way. I often listen while doing workshop stuff, and the laser is just my new hobby. I'm experiencing with. So John, he used a laser to make this. Wow. I thought it was going to be a lamp because he asked for our logo. Yeah. On a on like a a GIF of it or whatever. Not a GIF. 
a wow. JPEG. He goes, send me your logo in a good resolution. A PNG. Or and I thought he was going to like put a sticker around a lamp and send us a new lamp. No, that's, he made this with a laser. Uh, I thought I'd make you a couple of experimental coasters. Nothing fancy, but I think they work pretty much like a coaster. If for some reason you might like more, I know a guy. Best of luck to the Vols during March. Mm. It's very, listen, that's very, that's not easy for him to say. He's a big Blue Nation guy. Dude. He's a Kentucky fan, like, all the way. Wow. I have pretty low expectations for my Wildcats, but I will be cheering for the SEC regardless. One of these days, I'd love to join you both at Longhorn and Chew the Fat. Nice. So they that's, that's a date, Larry. You got you to gotta do that Absolutely. for real. All right, let me so see Larry it. has, with a laser, let's see if I can get these on camera, too. He made us uh, talk about that. Wow. Coasters. It's amazing. Uh, and they're etched out. Pretty cool. Little back has little rubber uh, grippies on them. And he made us a couple of those. And then a couple of stone ones. Oh. Check these out. Wow. So uh, I'll give a couple of these to you to take home and I'll take a couple. I thought I might hang one on the wall because it's so cool. Yeah. Like put it up there. Hey, big thanks to Larry. Uh, that's awesome. And you guys should check out his. Uh, Foothills Collectibles. Foothills Collectibles. He it- makes so many cool things. He has like amazing little repurposed lamps, cigar box lamps. And then uh, now he does this, evidently, which I didn't know. And he does yarn work, too, kind of like what this is behind me, my uh, my JW logo. Yeah. This wasn't made by him, but he does these. Like, he has one that's in the shape of uh, states. Nice. And it'll say, like, yeah, home. It has yeah. a little heart in the middle. He does those. I think he's just, uh, he's, pretty, a, he's a hobbyist. Pretty talented guy. I think it's good, because, you know, Larry's in ministry, so I think sometimes people do that kind of stuff. It, like, it's your shut off your brain kind of time. Yeah. Because you're just... There's so much going on. You know this. You counsel with people. Yeah. And uh, you go, I need I need a break. Give me some yarn. I do feel that a way. a laser. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what, listener? Uh, maybe you need a little break just for a moment to hear just a short little announcement from a few of our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. really cool uh that i do think that what you do with your hands if you can find something to do like i actually cleaned out my garage in january and it was very therapeutic yeah well it's like a checklist you can check it off yeah and you feel like um something's like handing someone else stuff that you're not using anymore be it the trash man or you donate a big bin of stuff like it just feels like it's you can just not think about it anymore yeah, you're you're cleansing. uncluttering not just your space, but your mind, your life, and you're, you're also making, like I said, definitive decisions. That's a big thing for me. Ooh, yeah. I made a decision, got something done. Well, that was that original Marie Kondo thing that went viral, the big trend. She had her show on Netflix, tidying up, mm. and uh, 
she would talk about um, like how everything that doesn't spark joy, you hold like the average home has 400,000 items in it. Wow. And she would say, you need to go through your house and look at each of these items and they need to go into four. I think it's four bins. One of them is keep. One of them is sell. One of them is donate. And one of them is store. So you need to make a decision. One of these four piles, every 400,000 item goes in one of these piles. And so people don't do that, but that's how you tidy up. My favorite part about that is, though, Marie Kondo, there's just an article about her. She's back in the news because now she's had three kids. And she was like, I don't tidy up anymore. (laughs) Uh, My house is in shambles. There's nothing you can do. She just, yeah, she just goes, oh, this was something that, like, people without kids do. Yeah. And they think that they're saving the world. It's kind of like the secular version of I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Right. Like, once you put it in the real world, like metrics, you go, oh, this is just pie in the sky. I should only date the person I'm going to marry. Right. When you put it in the real world, you're like, oh, this is... Yeah, this is crazy, and it's not that easy. No, and well, well, number one, I admire her for coming out and saying that. That's, yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, um, mostly she's things. got like weird, like uh, sippy cups with like old milk in them that smell mm-hmm. just in her sink, yeah. and I, the idea of that makes that sparks joy in me. <laughs> that that's happening for her. I think that the Christian world, in particular, I think it's human as well, but it's so we're so inclined to make a rule that yeah. we think everyone can follow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We want to be like, oh, I've identified now the way that this thing should work right. for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a whole theory about, I want to write a book someday called Blame Henry Floyd. Henry Floyd. <laughs> oh, Henry Floyd. Oh, man, that guy. Henry Ford. Because I do believe that there's something about the generations trickling down from the Industrial Revolution that we don't understand sort of the impact of the assembly line. Yeah on our thinking it's assembly line thinking right that there's there's a, a it's more to it than just oh you know or a one size fits all solution well like the thing you just got from larry that's a craftsman and that's uh-huh. how everything was made yeah at one point someone made something mm-hmm. um you might have them make it the same way but it's still made by hand you know it, it, like soldiers uniforms during the civil war were often different you know, even though it's called a uniform, which you think is always the same, they had to have, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon, especially for the Confederacy, for it to be elements of that uniform that were custom to reflect your family, oh, I didn't know that. your mom. That's you know, she'd make your uniform, you know, and it, and it would have these, you know, custom sort of elements. To what do you it. think your uniform would have had to honor your mom? Uh, well, I don't, that's a great question. Like mom, a little, I don't know what mom would have put. I think it would be a little patch of a baked potato. Your mom always oh, made yeah. potatoes. Mom, mom makes a good baked potato. Well, I would go to your house uh, on a trip. We'd have a show. We're going to have dinner at my house. I'd be like, all right, cool. And then it would be these gigantic baked potatoes. Huge. And I'd be like, okay, so what are we? Is it steak? Or is your dad grilling steak? No, no, no. It's potato bar. I go, I didn't grow up like this. What are we doing with the potatoes? No, you eat the potatoes and then you're full and you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, they she, were good potatoes. So no, there was bacon. Chi- she put chili and, in them sometimes. Yeah, chili, bacon, all kinds of stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. but it was just funny to me. Like it's I always thought so a potato funny, yeah. was a side. You hadn't. Had she was the, like, uh, you haven't had these potatoes, and they were big as your head. Oh yeah, like and it you was would like be full. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. So because it was like eating a head. What's well, like in the south? They have cat head biscuits, right? And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, what does it sound like? It means we have biscuits as big as a cat's head. Or it sounds. It could sound worse than that. Yeah, like we've made a biscuit we've made a biscuit out of out a cat, of a cat head. head. Now eat it. And shut Good your luck. Mouth. 
But I'm allergic. Eat your biscuit. <laughs> allergic that's the thing you're most worried about (laughs) you know interestingly enough interestingly enough yeah about the south Mm -hmm. so you've made fun of me when i was a kid i don't think i brought this john i never stopped making fun of you since we met that's true that's true okay but there was something in particular you made fun of me about yeah that i've carried for 25 years oh no and we're gonna it's gonna come out now and now i think i'm vindicated oh and, you're and going, it only took a quarter century. And you're going to be shamed. <laughs> so the thing that comes out of the side of your house and the outside that water flows through, right? You call a spigot. What, what's the thing connected to it? A hose pipe. You don't right? call it a hose pipe. No, I think I call it a. It's actually the, the technical name of it is yeah. a frostproof silcock. That's what it's called because I used to sell them at Home Depot. Okay. That's the thing that goes back into the wall and it keeps the water supply back out yeah, of I'm harm's way. Yeah, the hose. F- yeah. The thing you're screwing in. A hose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you always, I'd go, I'd go get the hose pipe. you go, get the what? Yeah, hose pipe. And I don't, I'd be like. I think I call it a hose pipe to make fun of you because you always you, call it a hose pipe. You call it a hose I've pipe. Adopted. So I've been having this conversation with lots of national Well, it's actually, it's a, it's a, it's a non-rigid piece of pipe. It's a. Hose pipe. So I get but everyone, why. Like, lots of people are like, hose pipe? What's it that? It sounds very 1950s, though. It sounds like something that Ward Cleaver would have said to June Cleaver. Right. You say, it's just a hose. It's just a garden hose. It's just a whatever. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay. So I sat on that. I stopped calling it hose pipe. Right. For but all are these you years. saying it's coming back? Like, people are saying hose pipe now? I was watching. You were at the, of, wait, let me, let, let me guess. You were at the Soda Jerk. <laughs> and right before you went into the Five and Dime. Some rabble rousers were talking about the hose pipe. You pick up this Dr. Pepper, you'd be a soda jerk. Um, yeah. I was watching mm-hmm. PBS Masterpiece Theater show, <laughs> and it was a 1930s. Yeah, thank you. In England. Yeah. And they said hose pipe. Right. In England in 1930s. In the 1930s. And so I went. John, what decade is it now? I went. Real quick. And did some etymological research. Okay. So studied some bugs. And hose pipe. Is a British word. So somehow in the Nashville, it's only people I know because I've talked to all the staff who are Nashvillians. All, right. like the cons- all the big language centers, Britain, Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, like like some of my Hendersonville yeah. staff friends are like, oh yeah, we say hosepipe. But right. like people who are not from here, they're like, no, we don't, we don't say hosepipe. Like somehow, and I don't know how, somehow that British thing trickled down into this huh. geographical region. Well, your dad was an educator. So maybe he just... And he spoke English. That was his toy, hoity-toity That's, way of talking about the hose. Uh, there was nothing hoity-toity about anything. Like, it, no, it just somehow trickled like, in. drinking from a hose is very... Like that water's the first burst of it's kind of warm because it's been sitting That's in the... it's cleaning out the hose pipe first. There's water in the hose pipe that has to You got to rinse that no, out. You wait. No, don't do that. Well, I was really thirsty. Have you used a hose pipe to ever siphon out a gas tank before? Yeah, once. Yeah. I had to do it the other day. For, oh, really? Not for a gas tank, for my uh, water softener. Okay. That got all full of all this. So nasty. you weren't inhaling. No, it was salt. Did water. you get it any was still in your nasty? Yeah, yeah I got it's a little not, bit. It's not great. I got a little bit. My dad used to get mouthfuls of gas. There's something they did during the big fuel shortages of the 70s and 80s that cars now you can't siphon. There's like a a one way lid because I remember reading that because I was like I wasn't I was unable to siphon yeah. from a car one time when I broke down. Yeah. And somebody said, well, just siphon from, and I was like, okay. And there was like a, a blockage, and they said, yeah, they've stopped. And it was because of the gas war in 70s and 80s. And see, guys, isn't that just like our was, lives? Yeah. I mean, some of y'all, you put something into the tank. Some of y'all still living off something God did for you in the 70s. Or you're Wait. hoping to go get something out of someone else's tank instead of putting it in your <sighs> you own can't. tank. You can't. 
You can't, you can't do, do that. You can't siphon someone else's fuel. God doesn't make God. you that way anymore. Wait. God now has put a little thing in the tank. Wait. It's a, I don't it's know, a, anti-siphon device. The hose device. pipe no longer, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the thing. But yeah, you know, you hear a lot of stories from your father and grandfather about siphoning gas yeah. and getting a mouthful of gas. Like every family has I've that guy. It. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen And it's dad. not, you burp gas for a long time, evidently. <sighs> Burping gas is not. I don't not, think your dad swallowed, but he would, it was, I remember thinking as a kid, this is bad, like, this is bad for dad's health. Johnny, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> this is no good. Dad's, hey, dad's not a machine. He is in trouble. <laughs> If he was an internal combustion engine, we'd be fine. <laughs> if only. Hey, I got an interesting story I haven't told you. Oh. So. All these years? <laughs> you've waited till I now we've, to yeah. tell your first interesting story. No, you're fine. So the other day, it was cold, mm-hmm. and I was taking a run. Oh, nice. You're back in it, man. It was getting, I knew it might be dark mm-hmm. or close to dusky. People coming home from work on that road, I knew, like, okay. So I had, like. I got this thing that goes around the the heel of your shoe that's like an orange light and it can blink. Ho- hose pipe. It's a hose pipe. And it lights up. So yeah. I have this. So you have light up shoes like little kids? Yeah. Every time you take a step? No, no, it stays on or you can uh, set it to blink or whatever. But it's like behind it's like brake lights. You're putting yeah. brake lights on your shoes. Yeah. And and okay. I have a heated vest now. Look at you. Is it a little battery powered, pack? Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not like hot, hot, but when the rest of you is cold, it keeps you warm. Like it really was, kept me very warm. All right. And so I'm, and of course I got the mask on. I mean, it's cold. It was like in the 20s that day. Yeah. I, I go out, I mm-hmm. do my run. And I usually get like run three miles and walk back to and kind of have my time around. There's a beautiful kind of park and lake and stuff there. And I'll go walk there and pray and all this stuff. And so I'm walking back and I walk by this house that I walk past all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a dog in the yard. He's a he's a bigger black dog or she. I think it was a she. Bigger black dog. And there's a fence there, but not a fence that would hold her back. It was just like a wooden... Like a picket fence. Yeah. She could get through if she wanted. So dogs sometimes, as you know, when you run, it's not good. Right. You know, They so, sense that there's something. They sense fear. Right. You're near because there. Because what you're feeling was fear. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be afraid, so I talk to the dogs. So oh. this one backfired. So if a dog's barking, I'm like, hey, it's okay, buddy. No, you're good. Go home now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just kind of be gentle. So I start talking to the dog, you know, like, yeah. all right, that's a good boy. You know, I was doing something like that. You so I'm assumed in the it's gender. You said it was a girl dog. And, oh, was, she was infuriated. Yeah. So so I talked too nice to that dog. Oh, no. She starts jumping around making this, yep, yep, like playing noise. Oh, like she wow. wants to play. Right. I'm like, but that, so that backfired. So you I ad- get about a quarter of a mile down the road. You adopted this dog. And we got it right here. Bring her in, guys. <laughs> I get about a quarter of a mile down the road, and all of a sudden, she has left her yard. And run down to me. You got a running partner. And I got this. Well, I'm still walking at this point. Oh. So now I got to walk her all the way back home. Right. So, I mean, she's playing in the mud. I'm like, no, don't play in the mud. And she'll listen to me. She'll sit. I mean, the whole Aww. deal. We're, you know, I pet John, her you made bit. a buddy. I take her all the way back home. Yeah. She will not go in her yard. <gasps> oh, no. Won't go in her driveway. Won't do it. So now I'm like, well, I don't want to leave this dog out here because we're out here near... Corps of Engineers property, like, it's pretty vast. There's mm-hmm. a lot of wildlife, you know. I mean, it's like, yeah. I don't want to just leave her. And they don't, you know, so it doesn't look like anyone's home. Then I see someone kind of move in the window upstairs, like, oh, someone's home. So I walk up, hit the little ring doorbell. Yeah. Nobody comes. Oh, boy. I hit it again. No one comes. At this point, the dogs run off. Oh, Can't no. Can't find the dog. Oh, no. Hit the doorbell, hit the doorbell. 
walk down the driveway. I see the curtains moving. I was like, someone's inside. Yeah. But they just think that you're a, yeah, right. well, nobody answers the door anymore. And I got the mask off at this point, but. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you got the light up shoes. That's terrifying. So I called a neighbor I know. Yeah. Who knows everyone. And I was like, hey, do you got the number for this house? He's like, oh, yeah. So he sends it to me. I call the number. The guy answers. Hey, were you just at my door? I was like, yeah. He goes, look, I'm out of town, but I could see you in the ring doorbell thing, and I was trying to talk but to you. But who was in the curtain? But it was trying to Bluetooth to the other room, so I couldn't figure out why you couldn't hear me. It's because it was Bluetooth. It was all messed up. But what was the curtain moving for? So he said, well, my kids are home. Oh, okay. And they're, you know, they're teenagers, and they were on the other side of the door with a gun, just by the way. <gasps> I, I kind of thought, like, you know, don't stand here doing this all day. Get out of here in case you're scaring somebody. Just, you know. I was like, well, that's Okay. <laughs> It's the middle of the day. They're going to pull out a gun? Do you know what they thought? What? They thought that I was escaped from prison and that my little thing on my foot was like a prison ankle bracelet, like lit up. (laughs) So So they drew down. They thought that I was just some some guy in a black vest walking up with, you know, and they could see the, the glowing ember of my ankle or whatever. And then the dad was like, but I saw you on the camera. I was like, guys, that's just some dude trying to get run over by a car. So like we kind of, but I... Look like in a prison escapee. Yeah. And it's good to know. Trying now to return you know. a dog. Now, yeah. you, you know, like Hollywood has a thing where, like, it's better to have, like, a certain look than to be George Clooney. Yeah. Because you can always work. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's better to be George Clooney if you can be George Clooney mm. always. But I'm saying so. not everybody can be George Clooney, but it's almost as good to have just, like, a look. There's, like, character actors. Yeah. So I could be the prison guy. Yeah. You know, no one's ever accused me of that before. Yeah. But you look. You look like you've got a past. Really? You know? Like, you don't have tats or anything, but there's tats on your personality. (laughs) (laughs) I need some tats. I'll watch Ink Master a lot now. Okay. We've we've gone back. Like, we kind of go binge old shows. Yeah. And there's a million seasons of it. And so now we're watching it again. And I really enjoy subcultures of things. Yeah. And uh, like a deep dive into a subculture of, that you don't know anything about. And right. tattooing is one of those things. I grew up thinking like tattoos were not good or what, not like sin, but just like, oh, tattooed people or whatever. And so I just stayed away from that. But now I'll know so much about it. And I have so many friends who have tattoos. And uh, I just think it's so interesting. The whole, like, there's a million styles and some people are really good at one style versus another. Yeah. I think, but it doesn't, here's what's funny about that. It does not make me want to get a tattoo more. Like knowing... Even seeing beautiful tattoos in this competition that yeah. they're on, I don't go, ooh, I would get that one. I just go, that's really cool. And then I just move on I with my pale skin. This may be because I think you're a six, but as a six, like the decision, the pre-decision. Yeah. The, inter- make, commi- the to, inner committee. Yes. To commit to something that I think I will still want there for the rest of my life. Because right. I go, well, I don't know what my future self will think. I th- I'm a way, I way overthink it. Would you get something like Laura's name? Because, I mean, you've committed to her for 20-something years, right? So you yeah, feel absolutely. pretty good about that. So that would be something you'll do that. Well, Like uh, Johnny Depp had Winona Forever tattooed famously on him. And then they broke up like a year later. And my favorite part about that story is he had the N and the A removed from the tattoo only. So it literally says Wino Forever now on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. I read that in more than one oh, place. That's funny. So Johnny Depp has a Wino Forever Well, I've always told tattoo. Sadie, I was like, hey, if yeah. you decide when you turn, of, when you become of age, yeah. you want a tattoo. And she was like, well, in Pioneer Days, I would be of age. So right. I already did it. And in Pioneer Days, the tattoo parlors were a plenty. 
Um, <laughs> Maybe if they were, you don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Go I don't out know. Go Rinse it off. The history of tattoos. Um, I was like, hey, we can go get one together. Oh, look at or that. pick something out together. Yeah. And, you know, but are you going to agree on something that an 18-year-old well, we'll girl to, would want? We'll have to agree on it. Yeah. But especially something that ties us together. Oh, that's nice. I think that'd be great. Like half the heart and then she has the other half and no, it's like... I want to be a little less... I'm thinking like... Nothing, know, nothing that corny? I don't know. If you've got half heart tattoos, guys, we apologize. Yeah. I don't John know. thinks it's real corny. No, I don't think it's corny. It's fine. I don't know. I, that's the thing. I think it'd be cool for us to deliberate on that. I can't think of anything... Like, that's part of it. Like you said, the intercommittee. What do I really like? A lot of things. I love the Lakers. I've been a Laker fan since I was a kid. But do you want a tattoo? Do I want Magic body? Johnson on my arm? Right. No. I can maybe, a, a, maybe a Lakers logo, but where would you put it? And then, like, then they're going to do something stupid as an organization. Right. Like, it's not just a matter of, like, the Lakers are losing, because they're losing right now. But they're a historically great organization. Right. 17 championships or whatever. But it's like... Yeah, do you want to be affiliated with that sports team forever? And like the idea of putting a scripture or something, which that sounds more like me, probably yeah. who what I would have thought. Yeah. And then I go, is it a? I did like last night. I had a uh, or two nights ago there was a waitress mm-hmm. who had part of the Serenity Prayer. Yeah. On her arm. I was like, just hey, just the ands and the v's though. Right. That's the only. That's like, a weird. I've pieced together a lot. It's I a strange tattoo. Quite a bit to get to. <laughs> just the consonants. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, why you would know, you only put part? Like, no, well, it, was what that, part? it was the cool like the because the Serenity Prayer is a little long, John. Oh, is it? Oh, I was the only thing yeah, of it. Is it, the, was, it was God grant me the serenity to change the things. Right. Out. It was like change the things I can. Um, well, Except the things I cannot change. I think that's what it was. Just those two lines. Wisdom to know the difference. But they were like. I don't think she had the wisdom line. Okay. Because there had been three lines on her arm. You know what I'm saying? So right. it was condensed, probably, yeah, it was, uh, to fit on her arm and also because it serenity was... Serenity abridged. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you remember the time I wrote the serenity prayer? Oh, and you're... Do you yeah. remember this? I had, You like, were preaching. No, it was a, back when social media was first a thing, and I had been praying and studying, oh, and I came right. to like this big spiritual moment. Yeah. Big spiritual moment, and I was writing all this stuff, and I wrote, basically, yeah. a parallel... Because I'd never... Like serenity prayer is a recovery thing. I didn't really study that till yeah. years later, and so I wrote like this whole thing about. I basically wrote the serenity prayer in my own words. I think I, did I have another one that texted you? You and my wife both. <laughs> yeah, I go, hey John, congrats! You just <laughs> you just discovered the serenity prayer. <laughs> What's funny is, yeah, we didn't grow up around the serenity prayer because it felt too Catholicy for us, probably right. Right, uh, and we were just like, oh well, it's not just Catholicy; it's that. It's 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 not very Arminian either. Yeah, friendly to the way we were raised. Right, Arminians who would believe that all it's all up to you. Again, I'm sorry, Arminians. We we would light in Arminian in a lot of ways. Yeah. So we were certainly raised that way. I don't mean to oversell it. Like if I meet a Calvinist or meet an Arminian, they're usually not the caricature or the trope that everyone right. assumes. They're usually reasonable, and they don't. Of course, of course, I think you have. Of course, I think God's in charge, and mm-hmm. of course, I think you have choice. Both sides would say that. Yeah. Um, just where they light on the spectrum. Right. But the idea of God grant me the ability to know things that I don't have control over. Yeah. That would have been a tough one, a tough one for a lot of people we grew up with. Cause it's like, well, you just need to have more faith or pray your way out of this mm-hmm. or read the Bible more or fast or yeah. like, there's always something you don't, that you can control. And I think that's where, yes. I mean, the, the first step of recovery is like, this admittance yeah. that I am powerless 
on, yeah. over a lot of things. Yeah, like sub, like again, it's the Ink Master thing. It's subcultures are so powerful, and they're not all bad. There's a million things about Christian subculture that I think are good and positive. And I know we talk a lot about like the bad sometimes, or we talk about like we almost like because we're talking about what's interesting to us. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, kind of pouring through the the whatever the rubble of. You know, just the if you're going through a bookshelf of things and your past, it's almost like cleaning out the garage. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, I remember, I remember that. And sometimes you look at it and go, I can't believe it's like an old photo. Yeah, you're looking at this old photo of this thing that you used I can't to really like, that, right. or you would fight for it. Not even a matter of like, do I still believe it? But would I get in a fight over it now? Right. Whereas we fought about everything. Like everything was this battle, a hill to die on. Yeah. When you're a kid and you go, these are the beliefs that are instilled in me, and so there's things I still hold to. I have core values, but everything's not a hill to die on. And so when you look at those old, like in your mind, a photo of something, it's like you're pulling it out going, all right, yeah, man, this used to be a real thing for me. So, but yeah, subcultures are fascinating that way. And uh, you're right though, that, that almost the illusion of control that we imagine someone like you never would want to say that, like, let me make this better. You can't possibly make it better. Right. Like it's offensive to say it. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I think there's a balance. You know, I do come into a place where I mean, there's something I was praying about this morning, like really, really petitioning God for. Mm-hmm. And this is a weird time, and, and, and I'm, I apologize because I'm having trouble remembering it. It, it may have been my, my therapist friend who who told me, or I can't remember if I read it somewhere, but he was talking about how everyone throughout all of Scripture, every person of faith, generally what was miraculous that happened usually happened earlier mm-hmm. in their story. And often it was to save them from a, from death or to also bring them into the faith. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's this, this big miraculous thing that God does for them or, or multiple series of things. And, and by that it establishes their belief and their trust in God. Yeah. If they continue down a path of faith, then almost every one of them comes into a season that again, the the poets have called the dark night of the soul. Yeah, there is a season where, and specifically, it's marked by what used to work in your early days of faith no longer works. Yeah, and now what he was saying is, and whoever the author was, that your faith is not measured by just your trust that God's going to show up and take care of you as He always has. Now your your faith begins to be measured by fidelity to God, regardless of whether He shows up in the way He used to or not. Mm-hmm. So now the faith gets galvanized from a trust of the outcome to a trust in, in the character. And you decide if you'll be faithful to Him regardless of whether He shows up. Yeah. And I've been in that season a little bit. Um, and praying from that season, I'm going, I'm going somewhere here, Praying from that season and asking for things is a lot more weird because I'm aware. There was a day in time, Johnny, I feel like almost everything I prayed for, God would answer yeah. in an affirmative way in some way. And the things he didn't was very evident to me, like I didn't need that or whatever. And then you get to a place where it's like, God seems like, and again, I'm sorry, this is a very entitled way, and I don't mean to be a spoiled child of God. I just mean like, because I know I'm still breathing, and my gosh, he saved me from so many things even this past year. So I'm not I'm not being that way. I just mean like the things the things that he could have done that right. I asked for. A lot of the time, he said no. Yeah, it's a flat no. I'll right. get there. So if your faith's based on just results, you're going to be shaken by that. Yeah. And so 
But then I do believe it pleases God to petition him as scripture. Yeah. So how do you keep asking? So this is going back to your bookshelf thing, like there are things that taught me how to ask mm-hmm. and that I even had results from. And now I can throw those books or those ideas out and be like, well, God doesn't show up. I don't believe that. I just think God's allowed me to hear no's and I think it's another way and it's been hurtful. Yeah. <laughs> and you even get angry. Like what? All you got to do is this, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, but it makes like, and I was, when I was asking this morning, it was a real like, okay, what I'm leaning into is I believe that it pleases you for me to come with gratitude and humility to ask my father for things and knowing that you may say, no, I'm still going to do that because yeah. you're good. And I won't like this outcome, and I can't promise you I won't be upset if you say no. I'm really asking you to say yes, but I've now been through this enough. I'm going to trust you either way. And it's like you can't teach that. Like I would love to teach that. I'm talking about it now, but it's not really something I would have been able to grasp. And yeah. I, I still have a long way to grasp it until I had experienced those really deep, hurtful no's right. <laughs> you know, that felt so so hard. But that that piece of information that that's the that is the sort of pattern yeah throughout scripture uh, you're going to come to a place where your faith is not just measured by the outcomes but measured by your fidelity regardless of outcomes or like the best example in the bible that i always think about is like when uh elijah they they had just rained the fire had just rained down from heaven on the altar and he had defeated the prophets of baal yeah and then he hears that the queen is after him, wants to kill him. He runs yeah. into a cave. He's hiding for his life. Where's he runs God? Runs across the desert. Yeah. Where's God? Where's God? And then this fire comes, but God wasn't in the fire. The wind comes, God wasn't in the wind. Then a still small voice, he falls to his knees. So, like, God was the fire two days earlier. Mm hmm. But this time, God wasn't in the fire. So that's like a great example of that. Like, it's these different methods. It's like he was showing, look, sometimes it's going to be a still small voice. That's going to be just as powerful. That's the fire. Yeah. I'm the fire. And so I have to remind myself that sometimes it's like, yeah, it's not always some huge thing. It's like there's that voice behind you saying this is the way. Interesting. Or just a peace. You know, I really feel like God leads through peace in my life most of the time. Yeah, I feel a lack of peace. I go, this is this can't be right. Sometimes you feel a lack of peace because your own anxiety. I get that, right? But in general, I've learned to know the difference between like this feels wrong because this person's not trustworthy. Yeah, and I'm getting a check in my soul about this person. I'm not just an antsy person that doesn't like trusting people. This is an untrustworthy person. Yeah, and I don't go that direction. Like I used to have that in my career a lot, where I made up my mind early on in my career that when I got to where agents were starting to want to talk to me because I was building shows on my own, I was getting opportunities and that's when agents come for you. Comedians ask me all the time, young comedians, when do I know, when do, how do I get an agent? I go, you don't want to go get an agent. You want them to come get you because if you go get one, you're not going to get the right one because they, you know, you need them way more than they need you. You need them to need you and you hold hands with that person and you both make money together. That's the best, you know, symbiotic relationship. But when agents started contacting me, I had like this internal rule in my mind that if they said certain things, that it was an instant no. If they said cheesy corn, I had a very sensitive cheese meter about agencies saying like, we want to be in the Johnny W business or whatever. Right. Phrases that really if it felt very gave you car a- salesman or they 
blue smoke like too much. You wanted to be confident, like we like what we see, but you don't want it to be so much that you're like, they say this to everybody. And and again, some of that's my own insecurity, but part of it was like, I really felt peace around certain people that would just be like, well, look, we don't know what's going to happen, but this is what we've done before with these artists. And we like what you do. I go like, you're my guy. Yeah. They're honest. And if somebody lies to me and they are in business with me, it's really hard. Like yeah. if we don't, if the show doesn't work out, if we lost money, if you made a mistake, but then you own it, that's one thing. But if I find out you took from me or you fudged the numbers or you said one thing and did another, like it's really hard. So that's like what I mean by like, there's just relationships in your life that you kind of feel a piece about and there's some that you don't. I feel like God speaks to me in that way a lot. Yeah, that's great. It, and it goes back to the, again, assembly line yeah. thinking. We really want, even the ancients, we really want God to, I mean, he goes into, you know, Moses and the rock. God told him once to strike it. The next time he told him to speak to it. And Moses, even even Moses felt well, it should work this way because it yeah. worked this way before. Same way Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah. You know, they start following. Jesus turns to them and he goes, you're, you're following me. So, because he had fed the five and the four at that mm-hmm. point. You're wanting me to keep feeding you. Mm-hmm. So what if I told you, eat my flesh and drink my blood? Oh, you all left. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's more. T- I'm not going to keep doing the same thing because that's not why I'm here. Right. Um, we're doing it in the same way. When I'm here, I'm going to do the same work. It's going to be through, you know, a variety or, you know, a, a diversity of different things. I think there's such a beauty to yeah. accepting that. Well, and trusting that God has that thousand yard view that you can't possibly see Yeah, uh, is really hard. Like, it's like when you zoom out on a map. Right. Like I'm going, I got invited to go to Casper, Wyoming in November and I type it in Google and then immediately I zoom out to see like, what is near this Yeah, that I can get to? And we didn't used to have that. Yeah. You know, we'd roll, I'd roll out a map or we'd try to figure it out. Now we can just go boom, boom. I can hit minus mm-hmm. five times and I can see, well, God's always had that thing in your life and he has perspective that we don't have. I remember one time you were teaching, talk about sermon illustrations. Uh, I remember one time. I was in church and you were preaching about, and you were talking about me because you said that I have this new car that will like whatever it'll drive. Yeah. And you were kind of using the illustration of like, we fight it because we want total control, but the computer knows it's, it's got a camera that can see way down the road. It knows to slow down. And you were trying to use this illustration of like, you know, some of y'all were blah, blah, blah. Like Johnny's got this thing. And I could see all the young people were like, yeah. And all the old people fold their arms and go, no way would I let a car drive for me. Like it was such a funny, like it got the opposite reaction <laughs> right. that you wanted, which is like, That's what God knows best. He's the Tesla or he's the whatever. I don't have a Tesla. But it's that thing of like, generationally, it was landing different with different people yeah. because of those checks in our, our personalities about like, I tell you what, these cars are going to kill somebody. Right. You know? And uh, I don't know. It's so funny to me. It is very, it is very funny. Have you ever driven a, like an actual That'd Tesla? Big negative. So I always get the cheapest. So I went on Hertz and I'm renting a whatever. And uh, the cheapest car, I, I organize it by price. By the way, these travel websites, if you're looking at hotels, if you notice that one of the ways you can organize the results is prices high to low, right. who's doing that? <laughs> Who is show organizing? Me the most expensive. Yeah, show me the $800 a night hotel, please. Yeah. I just want to see. Who knows? Maybe I'll do it. Yeah. Three hot tubs? Let's go. Stop right. it. 
high to low. Ugh. Anyway, not even that. There's probably high to low people out there that are like, no, that's well, what we do. I was going to I support know. the podcast, but no. Yeah, I'm turning in my receipts. I might as well make my. Anyway, so I'm organizing low to high like I do because I'm cheap. <clears throat> the Teslas keep coming up on Hertz now. I think they're pushing these Teslas, but I'm a Gold Circle member or Gold Circle. I'm a uh, President Circle member. So I can usually choose a car anyway. So I'll choose the cheapest one. And then when I get there, I'll just change it to a whatever. So I go, yeah, let's do the Tesla. But I'm probably not going to drive a Tesla. I just don't know enough about it. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of like adjustments. You know, if you drive an electric car for the first time, you don't know anything about it. I got to get to my show. It's yeah. a weird. So immediately I get over the last week since I've booked this thing, I've gotten like six emails. Hey, get ready for your EV. And there's all this stuff you have to read. I got to do homework. Wow. And I don't think I'm going to be able to opt out of this Tesla. Wow. Not that it's a weird thing to say you want to opt out, but You're I, just feel, love I just feel uncomfortable because yeah. the there's an iPad that controls the whole car. Yeah. And you got to know all that eight menus deep. So I have to do homework now because I think I'm going to be, it, it's weird to say stuck with a Tesla, but I feel like I'd like to just have a regular car. There's no way around it, but just rip the bayonet off, Johnny. And then and after go, this, watch, I'm gonna, you're going to be on there next week like, guys, we all going to get a Tesla. Like, gonna be, I guarantee you. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, because you'll, you'll learn okay. it. You're techie. I mean, you'll, you know. Do you think? Well, no. But I think that you adjust. <laughs> no, you're techie because you always get the big TV with the, by Wh- the way, whoa. you were trying to get me uh-huh. to get YouTube TV and I yeah. went a different direction. You went the direction of screaming at Comcast for an hour. I didn't scream at it. I said Comcast. It's Comcast. Although uh, it is a con. It's a long con. I spent about three hours on the phone with Comcast, and now they're done. That, I'm sorry. You, as a company? Guys, I you have did? You brought power. them to their knees. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer have television service with them. Oh. Canceled. Or at all? Well, no. Then I went that day and signed up for Hulu TV. Hold on a minute. It's way cheaper. I'm really upset with you. YouTube TV is the same price as Hulu TV. And I would have gotten a $45 credit on my bill. Okay, I tried it. They won't let me do it. They can't give you the credit. I tried to do YouTube TV. It messed up. I called them. This is what I did to try to get your thing. I called them. This is infuriating. And I was like, guys, you're telling me you can't. It, it acts like I've already used this. It's like you're trying to hurt me. No, I'm telling you. I tried to help you. And they were like, sir, there's nothing we can do. The system hey, thinks. Hey, hey, John, uh, I work for uh, Coke now. And if you'll try this six-pack of Coke, I'll get a huge benefit. You know what? I think I'm going to have a Pepsi. Uh, I signed up and tried it, and it wouldn't let me do it. But I went to Hulu because I already yeah. have a Disney bundle, and yeah. it's included. So that was down another twelve ninety nine a month. Yeah, and unlike the, you know the one thing, the one channel mm. that is not on YouTube TV, you know what it is? I don't. History Channel. You it's can't on. get it though. You can get an app with a. Thing. But it's on Hulu for free. Mm. Well, you're paying for the Hulu, so yeah. I have Hulu. If it doesn't work, I'll go to the other. I tried, Johnny. I tried. Now, the one thing that's not good is I don't have unlimited screens. So uh, I can only be on two TVs. You can upgrade, but I have two TVs. But what if I want to watch more than two TVs at once? Well, you got ladies in your house that have other Well, right, because I got it on mom's upstairs now, and I got oh, one downstairs. Right, you got three ladies. So if I want to go to the other two TVs, that's sort of a problem. I may have to upgrade. You got to, like, start calling around. Hey, I'm getting ready to watch something. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> You gotta like <laughs> tell people. You gotta say we're going to DefCon three. <laughs> I really, I thought if you just turn it off yeah. in one room, then mm-hmm. you could. So 
and I went to another room, and it's not that way. It's like if it's logged in yeah. elsewhere, then uh-huh. you're done, Smalls. That's so funny. now it's like, well, dang it. But so, how much is it to add the other screens? It's going to be as much it's as like cable. Fifteen bucks. It probably gets, oh, no. No, I think it'll get me back my money I saved on Disney the uh, Disney bundle. Oh, so basically, I'll be back to that if I did that. The Disney bundle. Yeah. Man. I like Hulu TV so far. Not a sponsor. They might be a sponsor. I don't know. A lot of sponsors. You got a green background today, so Guys, it feels very coincidence. Hulu has live sports. Uh, I think it might be. Um, you know what though, Johnny? Hmm. I think it's time for that wonderful segment. Oh, is that it? Our, that our listeners clamor for. Yeah. Every week. Every week. You can hear the clamoring through the digital airwaves. So much clamoring. Uh, it's a little segment where we go over this week in history. We call it Talk About Then. February of 1978, John, oh. the first computer bulletin board system, or BBS, is created in Chicago, Illinois. It opened the public. It opened to the public the following year. It connected 253,000 callers before its shutdown. BBS systems were the forerunner to the internet. They allowed users to upload and download files, chat, and play games with one another. This is 78. So, like, it's a forerunner to the internet. I never knew this was a thing. Interesting. Uh, computer bulletin board systems. That was the year I was born. I didn't know there was 250,000 computers then in the 70s. Did your uh, your school have a computer lab in yeah. the 80s? Well, it would have been the yeah. late 80s. Uh, yeah, mid to late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, we had it. I learned to type on an uh, uh, electric typewriter. We didn't have computer lab. We had a typewriter at home. Yeah. And then Dad got Macs pretty early, or Macintoshes, you know. Oh, wow. He went full on. Yeah, Dad. Because he was an educator. Yeah. Apple really started off as the educator. Right. You know, it costs more, but you get the credit. There was right. like credits they would offer to schools and things. Yeah. Uh, February 16th, 1959. Uh, this person was sworn in as the prime minister of Cuba, John Fidel Castro. Wow. Uh, after forcing President Fulgencio Batista into exile. This is how it was done. This is how politics is done in the rest of the world. You got to realize. I, was, like, I did not know he was the prime minister first. He, uh, yeah, he forced the other guy into exile. Interesting. The U.S. initially recognized the new Cuban dictator, but withdrew support after Castro nationalized U.S. assets on the island and declared a Marxist government. So we originally were in favor of Castro. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, let's see. King Tut. February 16th, 1923. The boy king's burial chamber was unsealed. So you like this burial stuff. You like this archaeology stuff. Love you, it. Uh, uh, so, yeah, King Tut. That was a 20, in the 1920s. Uh, several huge. weeks after discovering the tomb, uh, the people who financed the excavation looked into the tomb. So they waited weeks. And then, uh-oh, this guy named Lord Carnavaron died five months later due to an infected mosquito bite, leading many to speculate, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creative Sherlock Holmes, that his death was caused by protections created by Tutankhamun's priests to guard the royal tomb. So this guy dies of a mosquito bite. Yeah. Five months after opening the unsealed, and then, and they blame yeah, it on a curse. Everybody else didn't die, though. It's the curse of the, well, they died years and years later. Right, of, of old age. Really, they died of the curse. that we Just all in remember. general. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure we went over this one, because this one, well, Sonny Bono was born 1935, February 16th. Yeah. Sonny, Sonny and Cher. Uh, he was a senator, too, right? He was a senator, yeah. uh, and he died in a skiing accident. Yeah. In uh, Vail, Colorado. He, I think he was the, where was he? The uh, mayor of Palm Springs, California. So, oh, wow. Which I want to say that Clint Eastwood was mayor of Palm Springs at some point, too. Really? I think so. Uh, I'm not going to look it up. 
I'd like to see how let's he just, cleaned up that town. Let's just. I'm. Well, that no thing. Kidding. That's the thing. Is like that. Pol- that political campaign writes itself. Yeah, we should write a just script. Just blow into not. town like the outlaw Josie Wales. He's got that thing uh, on the metal shield. You know that you can fire guns, but then he. Anyway, <laughs> you remember that movie? Okay. Josie Wales. The outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, all right. Uh, the McDonald's brothers. Uh, one of the McDonald's brothers was born in 1909. You know, you've seen the founder, right? They kind of had their idea yeah. kind of taken. Ray Kroc kind of was like, I'll make this great. And he kind of siphoned credit. Well, that's that version. Siphoning was, oh, you think that there's a... I don't know. There's a version where Ray Kroc is a hero? Um, it's fine. I got nothing against Food that builds America, they don't... I, oh, they, they gave him a, a pass? They, just, they softballed it? Just say he had a brilliant... I mean, they signed a contract, I think, to give him what they gave him. So. Right. They, If you've seen the founder, though, they make him look like he was... He was a shyster. Uh, and then he, they were just kind of like sitting on it, being like, this is cool. We got a few restaurants. And he was like, I'll take you national. But then he took a lot of credit. Yeah. And, and kind of swindled them in, in a way. All right. This is the one I wanted to make sure we went over. Henry Wilson, which I asked you about this pre because I was like, what do you know about Henry Wilson? Yeah. I didn't remember his name. He was uh, the 18th U.S. vice president under President Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, and he was born in 1812. Hmm. Uh, February 16th. He was having an affair with the Confederate spy Rose O'Neill Greenhow. Wow. And was accused of leaking to her plans of the Civil War, Civil War's first major battle, the first battle of Bull Run. Okay, the, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Yeah. He was Grant's vice president? Yeah. So I don't know. This happened in 1861. He was president, he was vice president under Grant in 1873 to 75. I was going to say, yeah, it had to be. So, so, so he's this weird, like, rogue character and he ends up maybe it was only maybe they considered it a rumor then but this says he was having an affair with this confederate spy and accused of leaking now he was only accused of leaking the plans but i mean if you're having an affair you know plans are going to leak that's how i feel uh first battle of bull run so the union expecting a quick victory was routed by confederate forces and uh so they blamed it on him they basically so there was, I guess it was like a rumor that hung over him politically, maybe. I don't know. How did the guy get elected? He died in office making Thomas W. Ferry the acting vice president. So that's why he was only vice president for two years. Interesting. And I don't know what he died of. It does not say. Hmm. But that's an interesting story that we had like a Confederate spy relationship in the White House, basically. But it was years after it was alleged to have happened. Yeah. But still, like, that's some, that's a scandal that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Most of the scandals in Grant's administration were more financial. It was the Gilded Age, and yeah. none of them ever touched him directly. But yeah, except the was it Guadalupe annexation? He he wanted to annex another part there of Central America, kind of, and, and it was it was shot down. So but yeah. anyway, I don't know, man. But that's uh, there's some spy some spy stuff going on between the Confederates and the uh, yeah. Union. So I did not know that that was uh, you don't think of that. You think of that as like a European. Oh phenomenon. no, lots of spy things, happen. lots of spy networks, and you got to think. But like that, it went all the way to the top like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he was not even a political candidate when that happened. He was probably a I don't know what he was. Well, I mean, several things you got to you got to remember. I mean, like John Wilkes Booth mm-hmm. was famous, right? They'd be like Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, shooting Obama. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it was a... Jumping down from the... Right. And What did he say? Tempest, temper tyrannus? What did he say? Death to tyrants? Yeah. But it was something? Something like that. Sig, simper... Sim, sim... Okay. And he... Hip, hip. No. But like, I mean, you got to think of it. 
in fact, there's a picture they found the other day of yeah. a huge crowd. Like, I think it's the second inaugural address. Uh-huh. And they have identified now a little speck, and it's John Wick's booth listening to the address oh, from behind wow. the president. Like, he's sitting up to the right of him. So foreboding, right? Yeah. And that was a few, you know, he wasn't in office long in that second term. Yeah. But, I mean, that particular war, it's, 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 it really is families. I mean, it really is yeah. culture, and it's all happening at once. And the, the capital of the United States is in the South, uh-huh. you know, because of Hamilton's deal with Jefferson. So, like, it's a big, there's just a lot there. I mean, Richmond and Washington, the, the two capitals, right. I think are like less than 100 miles from each other. Yeah. So maybe less than that. There's no way to know. But like, it's just, it, it, there, there's a lot of intermingling there. So yes, they it would just call makes, them spies. I guess it just makes me wonder if I can really trust you. I don't, I wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like we talked about feeling peace versus not. Right. I have to this point felt some peace. But, but now that I read this, I'm like, mm, is John playing the long game? Right. What What's he blabbing to Laura? What if this is one of the things that God's going to say no to me about let my life fall apart? What's my battle of bull run that you're leaking right. out there? Well, Johnny, I... I don't know. I don't have a battle. I don't have a... There's no battles. No. You're doing, you're doing pretty well. Oh, thanks. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet of you to say. You know what, listener? We hope that you felt like you've done pretty well. Today, being a part of this lovely, informative, humorous, thoughtful podcast, we hope it was all of those things for you. And if you liked it, you can even get more. Even more. So much more at uh, talkaboutthatpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. We're on all the platforms. Yeah. And you can also follow Johnny. Johnny's a great follow. He posts a lot of funny things. J-O-N-N-I-E-W.com. Yeah. Well, and, or you can go to Just his link tree. Link to him or or link tree. Yeah. Search those. John's got a bunch of books on Amazon. Go find out about that. He's got some new books that are coming out. He's got a couple he's writing this year that we're excited about. Yeah. This- and uh, so... Yeah. Check, check out uh, John Driver. Not John C. John C. Driver, right? Uh, I own that, but it's not linked up yet. Yeah, just johndriver.com. And just it's not the one that's... No. Is he... Uh, uh, Mennonite. Uh, Mennonite. Yeah. Almost said uh, Armenian. That's not... That's means... That's different. He is... What is his... Yeah, Mennonite, I'm not sure. I'm a, if Mennonites lie, are like if Amish. They lie more on the Armenian side or the Calvin side. That's true. That is an interesting thought. I, know. I know. I always thought Mennonites were like Amish, but like a little bit more. Like the Amish would go, those wild Mennonites. I wonder if the women ever started a movement to call themselves the women Mennonites. The women. The women in the Women in the I bet that's a big, I bet, I bet like. Female Mennonites listening are like, oh, never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, it's, true. it's like a really hack Mennonite joke. <laughs> is this thing on? And then they go, what, what is, is this, this thing? thing? Yeah, because they're Mennonites. Right. They don't use microphones. Uh, but we use a microphone. We're going to keep using it, Johnny, every week. And we look forward to doing it again next week on Talk About That. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? 
I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.